podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when that's a put at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show, lead the pen. Get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and the swing ain't lying. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to episode 170 of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan. Uh, i got a great guest on today's podcast, Mr. Scott Tarsi. Uh, we're going to chop it up about the enormous amount of rounds that he played last year, his own little putting area, short game that he built in his backyard. He's kind of uh, you know, bird, burgeoning uh, golf architect. Uh, just a, a golf aficionado like all of us out here, leave the pin and all the listeners out there. Scott, what's the good word? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course, man. When uh, when you messaged me, I was like, dude, this guy is beyond interesting. You see, you had me sold at 407 rounds that you played last year. I, I might get 407 oh. this year, but 402 was the number last year. It's my personal right. record for my lifetime. 402. So. We'll get to that. I want to hold that off for the listeners, you know, for a little bit. Let's tease them a little bit. Okay. Um, Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, where, where are you at right now? Where's, where's home base for you? So I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, PA. So I lived, I grew up there. Um, actually caddied at Oakmont in high school. Uh, oh, wow. So I'm sure everyone knows about Oakmont. Got to play it, but uh, yeah, I kind of like general background. So after high school, went to college at Virginia Tech, uh, played on the club golf team there. Got again a degree in mechanical engineering. Worked uh, worked a job in like Virginia for a while, then moved down to the coast of North Carolina, and then in 2014 moved to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, very cool. I mean, so we've we've got some ties. I mean, that's Western PA. I'm in Northeast PA, uh, same state, but completely different areas of the country. Honestly, yeah, yeah. yeah. When it comes down to it, yeah. Just curious, real quick, where in the uh, North Carolina coast were you? Uh, it's a small town called Newburn. The closest city we would probably think of like Moorhead City or Atlantic yep. Beach. Yep, yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah, for sure. For uh, sure. My my wife and I, my, our, my family used to have a house uh, right down in Sunset Beach. Yeah, that was pretty. I've, I've been to Sunset Beach. Yeah. Yep, yep. So a lot of golf down in 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 around there, uh, which is very cool. So you real quick. So you grow up in 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 Western PA, caddy at Oakmont. You played high school golf. No, I didn't. So I was a soccer player my whole life, and I had this weird. Um, I think a lot of kids have it. Like you hit a growth spurt, right? And I can't remember. It's a, it had a really weird name, but it's basically where, like, in your in your legs, like the the joint between like the bottom of your kneecap and whatever, like the is it the femur bone. Like Oscar Slaughters. That's what it was called. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I recognize the name. So I couldn't run. Like I could walk, but I but it hurt like hell to run for six months. So I had to take time off of soccer. So golf was like a sport I could still play. And I always played like once or twice a year with my dad, maybe like five times a year. But I got into it, man, and I got hooked quick. Like I got hooked so fast that I was considering trying out for the golf team and not going for the soccer team. And I wasn't great, but I, our high school team wasn't super great at golf either anyways, and I probably could have made it. But it was same season sport. It was both football. Yeah. So we were really good at soccer. Our high school team had never made the playoffs. It was my going into my senior year. And pretty much all my buddies said, dude, like, we get that you're getting into golf, but, like, we have a chance to set, like, a school history here by making the playoffs. Like, if we're that good, <laughs> you've got to play. And, I, and my dad was like, yeah, you probably should do it. So I was like, okay, fuck it. I'll play one more, you know, I'll play this last year on the soccer team. But, like, over the summer, I played tons of golf. And, you know, 
good ending to the story. We did actually make the playoffs and lost in overtime. So, you know, it was a good way. It was it was worth it to play another year. I mean, I still love the game of soccer. I would still play now if I wouldn't if I wasn't 38. I'm kind of past my prime there, but um <laughs> gotcha. but no, I, I understand that. And and I don't think it was a bad decision, but yeah, I really got into golf like at 16. And the caddy job was a great summer job. I mean, I'll say this. So I caddied at Oakmont. That's what everyone knows about. But I didn't really get out that much. So I started there when I was 14. But I would literally, here's how it worked. My dad and my mom would drop me off on their way to work at 7 a.m. And I would sit there, but I was the lowest guy on the total pool. Right. So I'd sit there and shoot the shit. With, it was like all the old guys got out, all the college kids got out. And like I would say 80% of the time, I just sat there till 1 o'clock. And then basically no one played after 1. Mm. Like only 20% of the time I actually got a job. So what I would do is I had a locker at Oakmont East, this shitty muni course, literally next to Oakmont. It doesn't even exist anymore. They use Oakmont East, what's left of it, as a parking lot for the U.S. Open. Or okay, US Open. right. And and I was but, out there the last time they had the U.S. Open, yeah, so I know that area you're talking about. golf course, yeah. There might even be some greens there they use for sod or something. But there was a course there back in the, what was this, probably right around 2000 when I was like 16, you know. And so... I had a locker there. It was like fifteen dollars to play. So I would basically, instead of making money, sit th- sit there and do nothing for four or five hours. And then at one o'clock, when I was inevitably not going to get work, I would walk down the street and go play for fifteen dollars at the crappy uh, Oak Money's <laughs> golf course. Actually, the course had a lot of character. I just it just wasn't good. Like you know what I mean? Like, but well, if you're like a beginner, it's a good beginner's course. Like five thousand yeah. something yards. Um, you know, like if you hit it two thirty, you could drive a green. Like, I mean, so I mean, if you're sitting around Oakmont all day and you're surrounded by that, right? And then you go to this local Muni, it's going to yeah. be a little bit of, of of a drop. Yeah, and also it's like that's kind of when the golf bug bit me. So I was happy to play any golf course. And honestly, back then I didn't understand. Like I knew Oakmont was good, but I didn't. I wish I could go play it again now. Maybe I can get on from because I still have some friends that caddy there. But I did not fully appreciate how good it was like sure. now i know how good it was then i just thought it was like another nice course not knowing the history like i said i was only 14 or 15 um but the caddy thing continuing that so i actually did caddy quite a bit at longview country club spelled l-o-l-o-n-g-v-u-e um and it's actually a very high-end course i think they used that course because every usam they use like the high-end course and then, like, another good course in the area for stroke play qualifying because right. they have too many players. Like, you talked to Evan Boyer about the four ball. Well, they did Chambers Bay and some other course because you do one round on each. Yeah, the championship round of the match play for the USM is usually on the big the course. Best. Do the same thing at Pinehurst. Right. They use two and right. four, and then they go two for the championship. Right. So same thing with, like, any USJ, like the, the USM. So a long view, I believe the last time the USM was there was used as the other course. It's that good. Okay. I mean, it's a very, very high end. It's in the top five in Pittsburgh. So actually, so when anyways, long story short, I basically switched from Oakmont after a couple of years to that course exclusively because I got out every time. I mean, I got work every single time. I usually carried double, so that paid like 100 bucks, which is way better than carrying single, right? You can only get 50. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that kind of have where I caddied there. And then I had some other clubs i caddy that like in college and some internships and stuff but you know it's now i mean you you were a young kid so the, 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 obviously over 20 years plus ago but any interesting loops at oakmont any interesting no, memories that you had no nothing, no, nothing fa- nobody famous but i have a funny story about this woman she 
I don't know what her deal was, but everything distracted her. So like, I, I think it was her. <laughs> like me and her and like maybe she had a friend. It was very, it was a small group. It was like nine holes. I probably got paid like nothing for this. Like no matter where I stood, it's funny your podcast is called Leave the Pin In because you can't leave the pin. You couldn't leave the pin in back then. I mean, sure, you take it out. Sure. So I was, I would hold the pin and I would stand totally still out of the way. And no matter where I was, it bothered her. I had to go into the woods, like 30, 40 yards away, stand there. <laughs> She'd putt out, and then I'd have to run, throw the pin back in, and run to the next tee. And I was always behind. And then she was mad at me because I was behind. And I was like, well, you put me in an impossible situation. Like, you want me to go in the woods, and now I can't catch back up. <laughs> there are, there 20, are definitely. That's 22 years ago, and I still remember it like yesterday. Yeah, there, there are some. I mean, you know, I'm sure you've noticed and, and have interacted with some, but there are some very odd people uh, within the golf realm. You know, it does happen to attract, uh, like you mentioned before, super addictive, right? Like right off the bat, you know, it's something that hooks you in and it does attract a certain personality. And and I think there's a certain addictive personality that borders on the very odd side. I, I've encountered a ton in my life and I'm sure you have too. I mean, at yeah, least a lot example. of people have like weird things that like bother them or weird things that they do. Like it's just interesting. Like, if you pay attention to people when they play, I mean, I have weird stuff. I'm aware of what I do. I'm like, I'm, I have weird stuff that I do. Like everybody well, sure. has their weird Everybody thing. does. And she just had this thing about somebody being anywhere close to her. Like when the putt, like 10 yards away is too close. So. Right. Right. So, I mean, so you, you go out, you went to Virginia tech, played club golf there. Um, and that's a competitive club golf, you know, arena. Um, mm -hmm. where was the home course in and around Blacksburg there? Yeah. I've got so many good stories. So, there was a nine, so it was 18 holes when I started. And one of the, one of the reasons I went there, because I was really getting the golf in, like I was really getting addicted to it, was that they had an 18-hole course on campus. Now, granted, it right. wasn't the best course. It was like a muni, but it was on campus. It was $300 a year to be a member, and you could walk it. So literally $300, I could play all year long. I would play 300 rounds sometimes in college. <laughs> like, so I'd play for a dollar a round. All right, so hold on. So real quick, we, we teased before the, the 402 rounds. So so this is something that you've been doing for quite a while, playing a ton of golf in a year. I, and I can go over, like, the, the history. How long is this show? It's whatever it is, you know what I mean? Okay, because I could probably go for a long time. But All right, so basically in college, yeah, we had this course on campus, 18 holes. Well, I didn't know this. And it would have it would have impacted where I chose to go to school because I could have gone into like a bunch of my my grades were really good. I could have gone to a bunch of different engineering schools, but at 18 holes on campus. Well, I didn't know after the first semester they were going to close the front nine and build a hotel. <laughs> so I was like, if I had known this, I would have definitely considered some other place because now I'm stuck with a nine hole course that I play over and over and right. over again. Right. Just so much. But that's what that's what I did. Um, the first semester, the first year, they didn't have a club golf team, and I and even though I could beat a couple guys on the uh, NCAA team, the coach just like did not let anyone try out, which is kind of like the thing nowadays. Like if you're recruited, you're on, no matter how bad you get. Some of these kids like lost their game, were shooting like 85, and they still got to be on the team just because they were good before. Right. So that was a little sure. frustrating. But the second semester I was there, or the second year I was there, club golf came into existence. And it was amazing because it was exactly what I wanted. Like I was able to, and you know, I was pretty competitive at that. Like handicaps back then weren't quite as low as like NCAA golf. So mm -hmm. as like a two handicap, three handicap, I was pretty competitive in that. So that was awesome. Um, 
but yeah, you know, I would join, um, like I was, like I said, I was super into golf, way more into golf than like parties and stuff, right? So here's what I would do. I would set my classes as like all morning or all afternoon and I could play 18 holes every single day. Like That's pretty phenomenal. much every single day. And in Blacksburg's not the warmest environment. It's up in the mountains of Virginia. Right. Yep. So the winters, the average high in January is like 42. So there are days, but it also could snow a foot and be on the ground for a month. Yeah. So, you know, some of these years I didn't play quite 300, <laughs> but like if it was a good winter, I could get 300 rounds in. So I do my, uh, well, I did five years. I did, a ma- I did a minor in business. So, you know, on the golf side of things, like I'm playing all this golf. Well, I go out into the real world, possible. I mean, I had to be at a cubicle as an engineer, like design engineer, from 8 to 5 every day. And that was a hard lifestyle change for me. And I knew it was going to be tough. Like, I was not looking forward to, like, graduating and, like, knowing I was going to be stuck in a cubicle, you know, for that, all these hours. And at the beginning, it was cool, like, making, like, amazing money. Like, I had no money in college, right? Like, I'm poor as crap. Sure, like, I'm sure, like most playing. college kids. Yeah, like I'm literally playing the worst course in town because I can't afford to play anywhere else. Well, now I can't play as much golf. Like I could play nine after work all summer for no problem. And I could play on the weekends. But, you know, if the weather's bad, I may go a month without playing in the winter because if I can't play during the week because it's dark when I get out of work. Oh, I, I understand that. Is, yeah. And if the weekend is bad, then it's just like another week gone. Well, this started to wear on me over the years. I mean, this was tough and I dealt with it the best I could. In fact. I did about four years in Blacksburg after school. So, like, I was being there in the town. And on the topic of courses, you know, the, the benefit of getting a job, making money, was I joined a much, much better course. <laughs> you know, so that was nice. But at the end of the day, I'm playing, you know, 150 a year, way, way, way less. I think the lowest that I played since 2006, because I have stats of every round I've played since 2006. I think the lowest number of rounds is, like, 120, 130. Um, but you know, that was when I was working uh, at a regular job. In fact, because of the winter and stuff and like all these weeks I would miss, I started driving to North Carolina, like on the weekend, like just, I would literally get my car. I wouldn't stay in a hotel cause I didn't want to spend that kind of money, but I would drive down for one round and try to play 36 if I could at any course in let's say between like Mount Airy to Winston. Cause it's amazing how the weather will go from like 30 and overcast in Blacksburg to 50 and sunny. By just coming out of the mountains, like it's like a right. fifteen hundred foot right. drop, and it's a, in the winter time. It's a massive temperature. It can be, and it doesn't snow anywhere near as much. So if I just drove hour and a half, two hours one way, you know, I could, so I started doing this a lot, and I was just like, after a year of that, you know, I didn't do it in the summer because I didn't need to, but like in the winter time, I'm doing this like all the time. I'm like, I just need to move like to a lower elevation, like North Carolina somewhere, where I can play all year. So that's kind of what I did. I started looking for jobs. Ended up getting an offer in California and in north carolina but with the cost of living in california i was like it's just like it's not worth going out there plus like i can't even with the money the additional money i would have made because they would have paid me more it, i couldn't have joined a private club and i had been a member of a private club in, in blacksburg and really loved how you you know you don't the pace of play is good you got groups to play with all the time like it's just right you're not really, worried about calling and making a tea time you right exactly. just kind of roll up to the club they know you 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 got you have your stuff there already so i really wanted to be able to join a private club and there was just no way in california i mean initiation fees out there i did a lot of research they're all like six figures i was like you know and then i played a couple i went on a few business trips like before i had ever you know just for my previous job and I played a few public courses and they were nice, but man, it was like six hours every time. And I was like, it's going right. to like 
it's going to get old real quick having to always play. Like, you can't play a four-hour round in Southern it's California. A, it, like, it becomes it an exist. entire day. It's an entire day every time. Like, it didn't matter yeah. if it was a Monday or if it was a Saturday. Like, it's six right. hours. So I was like, nah. Like, I'll take less money. Slightly worse climate, for sure, in North Carolina than Southern California. But have the trade-off of, like, way lower cost of living and being able to join a private club. So I think I made the right call there. So that's when I moved to New Bern, North Carolina. As a design engineer for this company, Bosch. So basically, I designed like all the control panels for the dishwashers they make. Okay. We yep. don't need to go into too much of my work because, like, we're talking, we're on a golf podcast here. Um, and real quick, yeah, you know, you have your own podcast, which is related to work. So give that a plug real quick because you never know, you know, how many people are kind of, uh, you know, crossing over into that realm of work as well that listen. Talk about my business that I started because it is related to engineering. I mean, I do, and I do like what I do. I just didn't like doing it for other people. So, anyways, my podcast is called The Engineering Entrepreneur because it's literally what I became like about five years ago, six years ago. Was uh, you know, I'm still working engineering, but I started a business, you know, doing the type of work I basically have been doing in an office. And, um, you know, I have 120 uh, episodes and interview all kinds of people, inventors patent people interviewed a guy today who basically runs like a software type of business where like i don't want to get into the whole thing but it's basically like a software business that like is on subscription and talks about like how if you want to build something like that so i kind of interview all these different types of like tech people and pretty interesting stuff all right so if anyone's into engineering or you know new technology entrepreneurship that's a great yeah. one to check out yeah check that out for sure so so where we left off, I was living in New Bern, um, and like it was a similar. So the lifestyle was better, right? Like so now I can play golf all year. It snows two inches a year on average, so the course is almost never closed. I mean, yeah, there's some questionable days, you know, it's wet and stuff, but at the end of the day, you can always play golf if it's not frozen, basically, right? If there's no snow on the ground, there's no frost, completely flooded, you can play. So I'm I'm right. able to play a lot more. I'm I get up to maybe 180 rounds a year, but again, it's still like that whole thing in the winter. I can't play at all in the winter. It's the weekends, you know, are better in the winter, but, you know, it's still just, and, and the whole idea of me just sitting at a desk, like a lot of times I just didn't have enough work to do. Like I wasn't driven. So I started thinking like, how am I going to change this? Like I really want to play golf every day and I really want to travel when I want to travel. And I just want to be in control of my time. Like most important, like the money is important. Like I want to make enough to support the lifestyle I already have, but it's more important that I control my time. Um, I read a great book. I don't remember exactly when I read it, but it's called The Four-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. This is a, a highly recommended. If you ever want to break out on your own, you want to create what I call like a like a in, location-independent business where you can work from anywhere, this is the one to read. So I read that. I got some ideas of how I can basically take like my skills, which is like 3D design, kind of drafting, you know, engineering, and basically do it for myself. But before I even start that, I decide I've never sold in my life. And if you're going to run a business, you've got to be able to sell. So I ended up meeting a girl in Charlotte, and I wanted to move there to be closer to her. We dated for like a year. And so when I did that, instead of going to get some other engineering job, I went and took a big pay cut, like 30% less, to get a sales job to kind of learn how that goes. And that was interesting. So I made like 60 cold calls a day at this job. I mean, it was a grind for way less money. But I got commission, right? Ultimately got fired 
despite working as hard as I possibly could while I was at that job. <laughs> um, because it was set up for failure. Not to go into a whole, like, again, it's a golf podcast, but basically, if you would take a sales job where they give you no leads and you have to, like, go to the yellow pages, you are not going to have much luck. Because sure, and I understand that a lot of our listeners don't even know what the yellow pages are. Okay, I, I don't mean the yellow pages, <laughs> literally. I mean, like, like, of, like the local chamber of com- like basically just try to find all your local small businesses yeah you've got so to get out on your own and, and find numbers and then try to sell them with them having no interest whatsoever in what you're selling first possible way to do it like it's so right. much better to just spend money on like advertising and let people find you like that's how the world works now like if somebody wants something they don't just wait by the phone for someone to call them like they just go to google and type it in and this company spent zero dollars on ranking they thought like if we went and called random businesses, they would want our product, and that doesn't work that way. <laughs> I got lucky that I called a guy at the right time. Basically, this company sold like smart screens for like and like teleconferencing equipment for like conference rooms, and um, sorry, just something there. And uh, I just happened to get lucky once where the guy was like, "Yes, we're building this new conference room, and we need like a screen and like audio equipment for like conference calls." I mean, it was complete luck. Yeah, and I, I was a massive fifty thousand dollars sale. I got a nice two thousand dollars commission check, but that was like the only sale I made really of any significance in six months, and that's why I got fired because he set sales quotas that were just impossible to attain without being just incredibly lucky. So, so um, at that at that point in time, you're kind of in the infancy of branching out on your own, right? And you talked about how many rounds you had, you had played, you know, previously, how many rounds you played last year, which is an astronomical amount. I mean, it's it's literally more than around a day. So yeah, you yep. found a, you found a way to you know own your time and do you currently work out of the house? Like, talk to us a little bit about that. How you've got this time in order to play so much golf. Like I know this morning you you had North Carolina am qualifying. Yeah, yeah, let me just finish like the the history here so I can just catch catch back up to, to answer that question. So basically if I have that sales job but when I was in between jobs, that's when I really like ramped up my website, which is caddesignhelp.com. Like I actually started like putting serious effort into it and I started getting clients, but it wasn't enough to replace my income. So I still ended up getting like a second sales job. And during that time period, like my side job really started to grow. It grew to the point where I was like, I need to take this full time because if I take this full time, I can quit this job. I can go into an office. I can, I can basically make my schedule. So I finally did that. Like I quit that second job and it was great. Like I immediately had another 40 hours a week available. And at the beginning, you know, I did a lot of the work myself. I didn't have any employees, so I didn't play golf every day, but I probably played like every other day or every or two of every three days. But I started realizing like, Hey, like I can still play golf at eight, finish at 12 and get everything done between 12 and 8 PM. Like it doesn't matter. Right. They just want it done like by the end of the week. So I did that for a long time. So I was able to start playing every single day. But, you know, I wanted to grow the business and stuff like that. So I started, like, I kept getting more jobs. I started hiring people. But I do everything contractors. Like, I do a lot of, I have, like, a lot of guys overseas to keep the cost down. So basically now, like, if I get a job, I can assign it to, like, five different people and to just go on my day. So I, I can get away with working, like, two or three hours a day easily and maintain the business, like, make, keep it running. So that's basically how I set up to where, like, if I only need to work two or three hours a day, think about it. I get up at six, like a typical day now, get up at, like, the last couple of years, get up at, like, six, knock out a couple hours of work, go to the course, 
usually hit the gym after maybe do a few more emails then i'll go like i have a backyard practice facility that i go practice in so like i would say on an average day i spend eight hours golf related activity okay so it might be 18 holes it might be 27 it might be 36 but you know you know it's probably rounds a week nine rounds a week in the summer you know all right, so let's break that down for the listeners because right now people are hearing this and their minds are kind of blown. You know, they're going, I don't even, I can't even fathom how that much golf could be played. So I got a few questions uh, yeah, about yeah, that, right, that I'd like to jump into. Um, you know, the first thing is, is this. Are you playing at one specific course, a ton of rounds, or are you all over the place? No, I, I do have a membership um, at a course just south of Charlotte. Uh, which is pretty affordable in this area. It's 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 actually a really good deal. But um, I ran the numbers last year. I actually only played 168 rounds there, which is kind of foolish in terms of like spending money because I should play more. Um, and I'm trying to do that this year just to like not. But I but I love playing tournament golf. I'm I'm right. really super competitive, so I love doing that. And I love going on trips. Right. I got inv- invited with a bunch of guys from my club to Bay Hill. And I was like, well, I've never been to Bay Hill. It's like two weeks after the the Arnold Palmer. I'm like, I got to go. Like, I know it's 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 pushing my budget a little bit, but I got to do it. And I don't regret it. It was amazing how much it went up last year. It was four hundred dollars a day. It's six hundred dollars a day this year. That's a huge increase. In, and they told me it was gonna be four hundred. So I was a little bit sticker shocked when I got there and found out it went up thirty percent. Um, See that that blows that honestly like that blows my mind for a Florida course. You know what I mean? Like that probably is the best course I've played in Florida. That or Sawgrass are the best two courses I played in Florida. Um, but yeah, I mean, it really was like whoa. Like I was kind of shocked. But no, I mean, I'm, life's too short to like. Not, like I would regret it way more if I didn't go on the trip. You know? Oh, of course, it's not something you're playing every single month or so. I get that completely. And and, I'll, and, and to be honest, like i'm not gonna do it again like i ha- i did it i was there like for that much money i'd rather just go play one round at pebble beach honestly. right check it off you know? it's done check it off it's yep. done right so but yeah last year 402 rounds 168 at home you know and then you know tournaments you know i'll play some other courses around charlotte you know occasionally just kind of depends all right let's get into the nitty-gritty of some of these things uh best shot that you hit out of those 402 rounds can you narrow had, it down to one? Well, Is that possible? Aces. I'll say my two home okay. ones last year. So funny thing about I have seven home ones right now, and three of them are from the same exact yardage with my four hybrid. Like 183 <laughs> yards with my four hybrid. It's it's nuts. Like if I have a 180 to 185 yard shot, like I can hit a five. I've gotten a little bit longer and I can hit a five iron, but I will still hit that cl- other club just smoother. Because I'm so confident in it. Like, that club has earned its spot in my bag forever. It's like an That's, old ping. I-15 yeah. For hybrid, yeah. And it's like, it's never coming out. It's too many hole-in-ones. Three, I actually have three hole-in-ones with that particular club. One was from, like, 10 years ago. Oh, I, I think that would be in gold on the wall, you know, behind yeah. me. Uh, that that's hilarious because you mentioned that yardage. Like, that's the I would hit that same exact club. Like, that's the same club in my bag I would hit for that yardage. Yeah. So that, that's hilarious. That. Yeah, I remember playing a college tournament where I was just like, every time I had a four iron, I like I hit it thin, and I was just so frustrated, like coming up short, and like I just mishit it. And someone's like, just get a hybrid instead, and I got that club. I was like, oh, this is so much better to hit. So and oh. I hit it higher with that club. Yeah, so this club is just this club has just been in the bag for like ten years, and just see no reason to take it out. I don't want you to exclude anybody, but if you had to pick, let's say two or three people that were the most enjoyable. To play with, were or are, are, are they people that 
you know, your regulars with, or did you randomly match up with somebody that, you know, you kind of became close with and, and kind of struck up a friendship through golf when you played all those rounds? Well, I, I have a membership in, in Charlotte. So, you know, there's like four or five, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty low handicap. I'm like a one. So there's a group of like guys that are between like a plus two to like a four that I play with like pretty routinely. So, you know, we always have a good time. We have, you know, pretty competitive matches and have a good time with those guys. And then I've got, you know, I've met a lot of people through Instagram, actually. I wasn't really that active, but I've made some amazing connections. Like this one guy, um, he lives out west, but he's got a membership up in Ohio as well at like Inverness. And mm-hmm. I had never even met him in person, but we had chatted a little bit. And he put on a story one day, hey, I've got spots at Inverness like next <laughs> And again, again, this is why I love like having this business because he said next like, Tuesday, like it was like a week away or two weeks away. And I'm like, that would be amazing to play Inverness. This invite is not going to just happen every week. It may never happen again. Right. I responded to me. I said, if that spot's open, I'll take it. I'll figure out how to get there. And he <laughs> said, you got it. I said, perfect. Oh, it was like 200 bucks around. It was like, okay, fine. It's it's not gonna be a big deal. I can, I can afford that. So I went and found a flight. You know, it wasn't super expensive. I mean, it's just like, I was like, I knew I was going to make it happen. Yeah. But that's what I yeah. love about it. Like, if I worked at a job, like, there's no way I could pull that off. You get off work for an entire, like, four days during the week, two weeks in advance or a week ahead, like, no chance. It's, but, you know, it, it's, it's crazy because, you know, you and I are not that far in age apart. I'm a little bit older than you. Uh, but, you know, we didn't grow up with, you know, with the internet, we're, we're the generation that grew up without it and then transitioned to it, you know, kids right. nowadays. And well, even- we had it, but it was like super crappy. It was like AOL chat. And like these kids, they don't even know what, how bad it was. That we- you, you had it. I didn't have it till I was oh, like in my late much. teens. Um, but you know, it, it's insane to me still after, you know, three plus years of doing this podcast, the people that you meet and what a, bind golf becomes between people you know like if you're a cool person and i go and play golf with you i mean it's like instant friendship it's instant kinship you know because yeah it's it's absolutely wild and you know i'm sure you can ramble off a ton of stories like that i can ramble up a ton of stories like that people that listen to this podcast and follow me and follow you I, i noticed we have you know so many of the same people that we know through Instagram golf. And it's just, it, it still amazes me to this day. And I don't think I'll ever be over the fact how small it's made the world. Yeah. So ever since, like, I realize how much fun that is to connect with people. Like I've just decided, like, I'll be pretty active on it. So I literally post every day. Like my, like, cause my home course, uh, and I'll, I'll say what it is. It's Rock Hill country club. Killing half design has like, the craziest screens you'll ever see. And I just enjoy like, <laughs> Letting people watch like the suffering that we go through, like you have people putting <laughs> off the green, the bunkers, like it's just the craziest course. And so, like you know, just these moments, I just enjoy sharing it. And I've gotten so much feedback, and and I work hard on my game too. Like I I, I document a lot of like how much I practice. It'll be like 11 p.m. and I have a net in my yard. I'm out there hitting balls at 11 p.m. Like, and people have like said uh, more than one. They have said like really appreciate or like really respect the grind you put in or I really like your content. So I was like, okay, that's the motivation that, that I do. Like if no one said anything, I probably would have stopped. They'd be like, whatever. But all these right. people do it. All these people do it. And it's so easy just to like throw a video up or a picture. So, you know, I was just like, okay, that's, that's kind of why I do as much as I do. Yeah. I mean, that's I'm already it. on the course. I'm already on the course. It's like, it's easy to just, you know, you know, take a picture of it, a nice picture of the hole or. 
Yeah. You know, you, you know somebody's going to hit one out of the water. Like this guy yesterday hit one out of, and took his shoes off and hit one out of a lake. I, I saw that on your story. He almost fell in, actually. I almost saw the video too soon. <laughs> he caught himself at the last second. It was an amazing shot. He hit it just over the green from like 100 yards. So, so a- as an engineer, I mean, I'm, I'm sure obviously you're pretty anal about certain things. You, you had mentioned before that you kept records of kind of all your rounds, a spreadsheet, I'm assuming. Oh, uh, it's, it's amazing the data that I have. Um, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Every round since 2006, I think it's like 1800 rounds in there. Um, every score, I don't have every hole cause I would, that would just be so much to type in, but every course, the, the score, the slope, the rating, I started keeping track of like my birdies. So last year I set a goal of a thousand birdies and I count Eagles as two, right? Cause naturally. Sure. Of course. And I went to 767 last year, but I didn't reach my goal. So this year I don't know how much more I can play than 402, like without making it like my, my, like, I don't want to make just playing tons of golf the goal. I just play until I get tired of doing it. And interestingly enough, last year I played 36 holes for four straight days and I was actually burned out. I think I took a day off. It takes, okay. I was just, I was going to ask that. Kind of, right. Where, personally, everybody has their, their number, right? Yes. I assume. But we're like, it's too much. And like, that's kind of where I found out, like, it's, if I go 36 holes for like three days straight or more, it wears me down. Like there's just not enough rest. So I kind of like, I, I don't like even doing 36 for two days. Right? Like I like 18 a day with the occasional nine extra nine or extra. 18. Like that's kind of like my sweet spot personally. All right. So with, with, with all that golf, what was your longest stretch that you went of consecutive days played? Oh man, I, I should, I don't know it off the top of my head, but I, I did look at it. I, I missed a day like a few weeks ago and it had been like at least four months straight without missing a day. But I bet oh you I've gone, gosh. I bet you I've gone eight months longer without missing a day. That's my record because outside of the winter here, there's almost never a day you can't play. And I plan right. my schedule around the weather. Like if there's a day that's thunderstorms, but I see it's the window from like 7am to like 11am is open. I will get that first tee time. I will get a cart. I normally walk, but I will get a cart to speed it up. And I will get that round in. <laughs> I will make All a right. point of it to get that round in if, if, if that's the only window I got. So, I mean, you know, we, we play a sport. Uh, you, you play a ton more than me, but we play a sport where we are banging sticks into the ground, right? That's a, a lot of compression, a lot of vibration on the joints. Any injuries, you know, a, along the way? No, it's amazing that I don't have them because you see all these pros get injured on stuff. And like, yes, I don't swing as fast. I swing at like 105 miles an hour on the driver, like, you know, maybe 110 if I, if I really crank it. But I don't understand how the pros get hurt so much. Like Bryson's injury apparently came from like ping pong. It had nothing to do with speed training or golf or anything. He fell. And I have no reason to lying about it. I mean, but that's what he said. So it's like, but a lot of pros get injured. And that's just amazing to me because. I don't just play. I practice a lot too. Like I, most days I practice for a couple of hours. Um, and I'm the type of guy who just hits down hard on the ball. I've always taken a lot of divots. So I don't know. Um, maybe I'm just lucky. I also don't take too many risks. Like if there's a big root, I'm just going to chip out or we play with root rule, you know, take a drop. But right, I don't know. Right. I think it's, it's, it's just not a game. Like I don't really understand. Like I understand fatigue, but like injuries and stuff, I don't understand how it could happen that much. And maybe I'm just lucky, but. I've had very few issues, if ever, you know. Yeah, I mean, certain people are more susceptible based on their swing, their body type. You know, it, it's it's a lot of stress on the, the small muscle groups, especially 
the wrists, the the knees are are an enormous sore point uh, in the transition because there's no muscle there, right? It's all ligaments and tendons that connects. You look at you know Tiger Woods. I mean, he's the utmost perfect example of doing stuff outside the course that deteriorated his knees. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's honestly, it's fantastic. You know, because I've I've dealt with injuries all my life. I you know, I wrestled in college. I, I played club golf, but I wrestled D1 in college. So, you know, there's a ton of injuries from ankles, knees, full shoulder reconstruction and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, to, to play, I, I, honestly, and it, it's mind blowing to me as someone in, um, you know, in and above the, the fitness industry that there's no injuries. And that's fantastic. Now, do you well, walk I- most of the time? Do you ride? Yeah, I mean, at, at Rock Hill, I walk every single day. I mean, awesome. A, awesome. those cart fees, those cart fees would become astronomically expensive. Right, for one, right, 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 right. But also, yeah, you know, I I enjoy the game. Like, as long as the course was designed to be walking, which basically means all the courses before, like, 1960, you know, or yes. 1970, basically. But, like, I enjoy the game a lot more walking. Like, you just noticed everything. It's like you just, so much in a cart, it's like you're just blasting through it, right? And I understand there are courses and there are times to do it. If you're drinking a ton, if it's 9,000 degrees out, like if it's a course that's you know, just not designed to be walked. But in general, like I just enjoy the game more walking. Um, I am big into fitness. Like I do go to the gym three to four times a week on top of all this golf and everything. And I think that you know, I mostly do strength training. And I think that is a big reason why I don't have injuries. Like my, I think my back is extremely strong, which is huge for golf. I mean, I carry my bag, too, most of the time. I do have, like, a little robot cart, but the thing kind of doesn't work great. So I just end up carrying it most of the time. And I don't know. I'm just – I have a ton of endurance. And I just think all the – just doing it as many times as I've done it, like, it just built tons of durability into myself at this point, right? And it's, like, it's why I don't get injured. Right? It's the strength training. It's, it's, it's constantly doing it. Like, if I took three weeks off and then walked 18 holes and carried – and hadn't done anything, I'd probably be exhausted, honestly. Yeah. And, and, and you look at injuries. Right. If you look at like the common average golfer, they're trying to shove in as much golf as possible in a small amount of time, right? So they've got a weekend. How can I get 36 holes in this weekend? Well, you haven't swung a club, you know, in maybe two weeks, and now you're overdoing it. I think that's where most of the amateur injuries actually come from. It's it's just that overuse. Uh overuse in a very short amount of time you know people could say well scott you're doing a a ton but your body's adapted right oh, from consistently 100%. doing the same thing over so, day after day yeah so my roommate is my it reminds me of a story my roommate in college um at virginia tech what he, he was like an avid golfer in the sense that he enjoyed it a lot but he wasn't like driven by it like me like he would go out once or twice a month with me he would love to go more but he had more interest right anyways after college he moved down to mississippi and I need I need to go see him again. It's been a while, but you know I went down there and and when I came, like he wouldn't play any golf because he didn't have anybody to golf with. But when I came, we would play a ton. We'd just play for like you play eighteen, maybe twenty seven a day for like four straight days. I mean, right. after day two, he would be hurting every time because his body just like wasn't built. Like he just didn't have that endurance build up like I do because he right. hadn't been doing it for months. And then all of a sudden, he was playing a ton, and of course, he gets super into it. Right? He's just like so thrilled to be playing. And he usually gets better each round. And I give him tips and stuff. I try to help him out. And it's just like, but then he's like hurting like every single day complaining about it. But it's like, <laughs> well, man, what do you think is going to happen? It's like, it's like if I got up and started running like marathons or, or 5Ks every day when I don't really run. Like, of course I'm going to be in pain. Like, and right. my body's exactly. like, 
you're taking yourself out of your comfort zone. Like it, 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 there's a ramp up period there. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that certainly could be a situation where people get injured if they try to do too much too quickly without the endurance there. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, how many different courses did you play last year? You said 160 something at your, at your home course, but how many different courses were you able to visit? I didn't run that number, but I did about a year ago. I ran how many different courses I played in my lifetime, and it was like 375. Right. So I played about 375 unique places. Because obviously, over the years, I've had I've had basically a membership somewhere every single year since like 2004. Somewhere okay. I was a member, right? Because it's just too expensive to pay even at a low end, like thirty, forty dollars times these this number, right? It's just a membership. Like my membership is only like two hundred fifty dollars a month. Like it's very, you know. The guest fee is like $70, right? So it's like three or four rounds most of the time a month is to break even. Sure. So that's kind of why I don't have a higher number there. But, you know, I'm probably at 400 now, 400 different places. But I'm, there's probably like 20 places that don't even exist anymore. I mean, there's been a lot of courses that have shut down for the last <laughs> 10 years. That's, that's interesting. I've played a few of those as well that no longer exist. Uh, yeah. Best course that you've played or your favorite? Not necessarily the best, but what did you enjoy most? Honestly, I think Chambers Bay was my favorite place I've ever played. Um, now, so now is awesome. that just because it's so? I've got I've got a buddy that caddied during the USM and stuff like that out there. Um, he kind of said the same thing, but not so much because of the shot value, but just because it was so different than what he's used to. So I'm I'm curious to get your take on that. So I'm a big fan of courses that give you options and that make you think. And so that course, especially with the wind. You like the perfect example. It was actually in a tournament. It's called the Puget Sound Am, and the wind's howling in our face. It's only like a 350-yard par four, but all of us couldn't hit our drive much over 200 because the wind was so strong. Every pulls out like a seven iron and like hits his high shot, just gets beaten down by the wind. I take out a two hybrid and just chip it like five feet off the ground and roll it up on the green and like that kind of stuff because it's like it rolls a ton and there's slopes you can play. It's so much fun to me. It's kind of gotcha. like playing the cradle. It's like you can hit like all these yes. unique shots. Like Pinehurst courses are super fun. Same thing. What I like more about about uh, Chambers than like Pinehurst is that it's like there's more elevation. There's more ele- wind element there in general. And I don't know. It was just it was such a unique place. And the views were just unbelievable. I mean, the whole golf course, you can just see the sound. I don't know. I mean, that's in the last 10 years, at least that's probably the one that just stands out in my mind is like the place I enjoyed the most going. Oh, rousing endorsement. Places. You know, I've, I've played a lot of good places. I mean, I played Bandon Dunes this year. That's close. Actually. That's, I got screwed on Bandon cause I got rained out. I couldn't finish the round, but mm-hmm. I was really enjoying it. It was very, and it, and it really reminded me of chambers a lot, you know, the holes that I got in. Now what's, what's next in the future for you? I mean, because you've got, you know, the kind of, I don't want to say it was a goal, but you know, 400 plus rounds that's astronomical the goal of a thousand birdies do you have a certain goal for this year lower your handicap enter high level am tournaments what's the future kind of holding yeah, for scott i, I really want to get i really want to get ranked in wagger so a lot of people don't know what this is it stands for world amateur golf ranking yep and i've come close because i've had tournaments where i finished high enough that i would have gotten here's how here's how dumb the system is. i would have gotten points like in the last couple of years but i wasn't ranked already so you first have to get ranked, which means basically you have to win or finish really, really high up, like top three in some big event to become ranked. And then once you're ranked, you can get points for like signing up practically. 
It's <laughs> really stupid. So I made I had a couple of tournaments where I made the cut and I got zero points because I didn't finish high enough after the cut where I was like, other people finished below me because they were already ranked. They got points. So it's kind of one of my goals. I think it'd be really cool to say I'm ranked X in the world. Like, I have no idea my rank in the world. I'm probably top million is my guess. Like, I'm good enough <laughs> as a one handicap to be top million. But I would love to know the exact number. And yes, that system yeah. is far from perfect. I can guarantee you there are probably tens of thousands of people who are not ranked who are better than people on that list, for sure. Uh, under, just, because yes. of the way, just because of the way the system works. But I think it'd be really, really cool to say at one point I was ranked X in the world. Like, you interviewed two people. Well, one person I know well, one guy who I know as an acquaintance. You interviewed Evan Boyer, who said he was, yep. like, 500 in the world. You know, me and Evan played five or six rounds together. We played together in the tournament last year. Very good player. Definitely better than me. I probably only tied him at best one time. But, you know, it's cool that he was able to say he was ranked 500 in the world. Zane Lewis, you interviewed. I'm sure he had a wagger rank at some point. He's a pro yep. now. I don't know if he's ranked in the world of professionals, but... You know, that's the one goal I have. So I enter as many events as I can that have points, but it's tricky because it has to be a 54-hole event. It has to have all of these, like, criteria. And there's honestly, unless I can, unless I have, like, 60K a year to spend on travel, there's only, like, five to ten events I can really afford that are, like, close enough distance that aren't too expensive to enter that I can actually even play in. That, that counts towards those. So if I can't right. play in those, then I'll play in just, like, the local – like one day tournaments and um i've won a ton of those but the problem is that you know for the points thing they don't give you any points but it's still fun to win i mean winning never gets old i had a oh for sure actually last weekend in a local it's called rdu golf tour where i went 77 at uh, if you fans know uh royal new Kent. it's a crazy course well mike strands designed it yep you know tobacco road i shot 77 at royal new Kent, 73 at king's mill for a second place finish. So that was, you know, pretty fun last weekend to do that. And they're they're a great follow on Instagram too, the RDU golf tour. Um always posting a ton of good stuff. You should interview you should interview Craig because he has a great story to tell about how he created the whole thing. And and what I like about his tour is he's not doing it for profit. So you could interview a guy, I think it'd actually be a great two interviews. Interview a guy who started or who runs either the golf week tour or the amateur players tour. They may not tell you the full truth, but those tours, they're fun, they're fine, but they're 100% for for profit. They are trying to put as many players in the course as they can for the highest possible amount of money. And they pay out a good amount, but you pay a lot of money to play a course that you could probably play in any other day for like, you know, three times less. Sure, sure. But the RDU golf tour, he's totally different. I mean, I played with Craig yesterday, and he's like, I just wanted a tour where I could break even maybe make a little bit of money but i mostly wanted to have people to play golf with and have a little bit something on the line so he he gets the group right at courses but only charges a little bit more than that which is less than the regular greens fee so it's it's a it's a pretty good opportunity to play you know a competitive thing but without having to pay that much money i mean i paid basically less than the greens fee for kings mill and royal new and had a chance to win prizes on top of it all right, so Craig, I know you follow the account. I know you're out there listening. Let's hook that up in the future. Kings Mill is an awesome course. Played there a while back. Stayed there with my wife. That's uh, phenomenal. Yeah, it was, it was cool. a lot really better. It. it was a lot better. These have a par three course that played right against the river there, but they removed it to put in those new like low level condos over there. Oh, I I can tell. I mean, the 17th hole was great right on the river, and then the 18th hole yep. was a pretty intimidating shot. I had to go over that yep. lake. Um, 
But yeah, you don't see the river on most of that course, unfortunately. Oh you yeah, know, and that they yeah. used to hold an LPGA event there. Uh, I don't believe yep. they do anymore. Last year I think was, last year was the last, last year. One. Yeah. Yep. 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 That was a great event for them. Um, and real quick before we kind of wrap up, I do want to talk about the background chipping area that you put in because um, I've I've got some friends that have made their own courses, um, some kind of. Uh, you know, weekend architects and stuff like that. And something that really always kind of interests me, the ingenuity that people have. Um, give us a little insight. Talk about that, creating the little background, yeah, background yeah, um, there you did. The second time I've done it. So the first time I did it, um, I lived when I was living in New Bern. I think I'd seen somebody have one. I was like, that would be amazing to go work on my short game in my own backyard, have my own like 18 hole little par three course set up. Like, so I built it, but do not just spend as much money as you possibly can, because if you make things too small, it's like not practical. Like the problem was the right. very first screen I made was only like six feet wide by like 12 feet long. You can't even hit a chip to that. It's so small. What, what's the square footage of this one? It's like 20 by 15. So it's like double the size. Okay. And I honestly right. wish, I had, wish I had made it just like if I had been 30% bigger to be able to hit a 30 footer or maybe a 25 footer like it would have been better uh but i I'm, I'm much happier with this one the first one i recommend learn about percent slope so they can make the greens roll as fast or as slow as you want but most people are going to want to get it around a 10 or 11 because that's pretty typical if you have over three percent slope the ball is not going to even stay there so the first green i had this massive hill on this tiny green <laughs> the ball would just like roll down to the side so it was kind of much like you couldn't really practice like practical putts like you could practice a ridiculous side hill like ridge putt that's about all you could do um so the new green like i learned like about percent slopes and i had enough green square footage to kind of make a cool couple of features so like one side i have like a little ross feature with a drop off i have a little plateau on the other side i try to build in like a little bit of a red dam into one corner they're like little mini like template features all over the green um, I really planned it out. I drew it up in AutoCAD because, of course, I did. I'm an engineer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, as far as the cost, so I bought the material from this company called Pro Putt Systems. And it's a little different than the, the first green I did. It was, like, literally just level it, put the drainage down, and, like, throw this, like, grout, like, this, like, compacted stone over it. And it was, like, really firm. This one is a little different where you have these, like, lego almost pieces that connect together like these little panels that form like the base and it's like better for drainage um, it was probably a little easier to build so that's it's just a little bit different way of doing it but by doing it myself i saved like seven grand and it took me like two weekends i'm a pretty hands-on guy so like if you if you're more of like want to save some money and are willing to do a little bit of work like it's not that hard to do it on your own um yeah now i've looked know. into I've looked into the installation costs and the prices of some of those background ones and, and have had some of those companies come out and give me quotes. And I mean, honestly, they're astronomical. And especially in the Northeast, with the winters that we get and the freeze and the thaw, they guarantee them for only five years uh, oh, wow. just because of the climate we live in. You know, it's not like being out in California or down south or something where you get, you know, just a ton of sunshine and that freezing thaw just absolutely kills it and things separate and move. Um, but you know, you're looking at upwards of eight to $10,000 for something the size that you have there. 
Yeah, I spent about so, yeah. so basically when they quoted it, they were like, so, and I think it's the case for most most of the time. Like, my materials and everything was like seven grand, right? And then the labor was another seven. So basically, it's going to cost right. you double to have them do the work. And like I said, I did it all by myself. I didn't have like help me do it. I just rented some equipment, like basic like rock compactor, like sod cutter, that kind of stuff, and uh, you know saved you know, $7,000 just by, you know, doing it on my own. And it turned out pretty good. Nice. Um, nice. You know, so I, I don't, t- t- you know, tell people that they shouldn't do it, but it's awesome, man. Like I go back there, I got lights set up. I can play in the middle of the night if I want. I can hit shots up to like 35 yards. I'm not bold enough to go over the house like Kevin Kisner did in that video I saw on Instagram. <laughs> um, but I mean, I could if I really wanted to. Um, yeah. And then I got a net in the yard too. So I can like basically work on my full swing back there and, and my short game. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Scott, I got to tell you, I mean, it's been it's super interesting. I mean, you you sold me in that number 400 rounds. I mean, I don't even know if I have 400 rounds in the last eight years, honestly. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I am completely envious of you and it's awesome getting to kind of learn a little bit about you. I'm really interested in kind of following your career here on out. Uh, in the future, let people know where they can follow you on Instagram to see, you know, some more of your travels. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's almost my name. So way back in the day, I made my my Gmail address like a little different than my name, so I just used the same. It's Scotty RC. So instead of Scott Tarcy, it's S C O T T Y A R C Y on Instagram. Okay, and I'll put that in the liner notes of of the episode. Um, Hey, man, honestly, awesome. Awesome talking to you. I really appreciate the time. Yeah. Uh, one last thought that crossed my mind, and maybe you have sure. some insight. So I know I haven't played the most rounds ever in a year. Like some guy in Texas did 800 or something, like ridiculous, right? I, I saw that. Yeah, I think it's like yeah. 809 or 811 I, or something. But I've got to be in the top, like let's say in 2021, I've got to be in the top 10, 20 people. I have to think. You know, I would think can't e- be. easily, easily top 20. Easily. Okay. Here's a different question that I couldn't find an answer on. Most t- rounds in a lifetime. Because think about my age, and if I sustain this for 40 years, I'm 38. I could easily get to 78. Can I sustain 400 rounds a year in my 70s? I don't know. I have to try to take more carts. But my point is, I think I can set the all-time record in the world of most rounds in a lifetime. Because I play way more than a PGA Tour pro. They don't play anywhere near as much as me. And the retired guys that play close or actually no one at my club, even the old guys play as much as I do. Like, I think the next closest guy at my club last year posted like 260. But my point is, like, I, like, I, th- I think I could set the all-time record. Like, and I'm not the trying to. I'm just curious if, like, if I would or if I, if I, if I could. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I think the issue with that is, is what do you count as a round and, and how early in life? You know what I mean? Like, if you're five years old and you know you played from 50 yards out and and finished nine holes does that count as a round you know you know what i'm saying like when when does the tallying start yeah i mean yeah i don't know it's not that important it was just a thought that crossed my mind but i would count like so i count nine hole rounds as a half round like i have to play 18 holes i mean it's very rare that i play like seven holes like only if you get rained out so i either play nine or 18 right so it's a half round or a full round um but I would count, you know, even if you're a kid, as long as you're playing, like, even Operation 36, if you know what that is, like, I would count that as a round. Because your tees, as a beginner, might be 50 yards away. 
you know, but most people aren't at that level. Like most people, I mean, 95% of people play from a legitimate tee box and, you know, finish the hole essentially, you know, or pick up if there's like, they're at their max score, whatever. But like, yeah, yeah. if you play a legitimate golf course from just, you know, 99% of people are going to be playing from an actual tee box, not from the middle of the fairway, unless they're an absolute beginner. I would count that as a round, you know. Yeah, well, I, I for one would would definitely support you in your efforts to play the most rounds ever in a lifetime. I think that'd be a pretty cool header to yeah. have, and I mean, here's you know, thing. on I, your I, gravestone. I, I, know you, I know you can fake the documentation, but I have so many people that know. I most <laughs> I, play, I play most of my rounds with other people, so they know that I play this much. Right, and I have a spreadsheet to support it with all the scores. Like it would be so much work to fake that, right? So I. You know, I don't know if I could prove it or whatever if I needed to one day, but I had the data from 2006 onward to. I, I think you need to invite in, invite the people from Guinness over to your house, you know, the Guinness Book of World Records, and show them the data spreadsheet. I think they might just award you the title right there. That would be kind of funny. That would be cool. To be in the books, <laughs> record books for something, yeah. For sure, for sure. All right, Scott. Again, uh, really, really appreciate it. And as always, people either get busy golfing or get busy dying. If you're listening to Leave the Pin Podcast, which I know you are, you know we got to talk about Eagles and Arrows. In 2022, Eagles and Arrows is going in a completely different direction with some great customizable gear. They are doing patch hats that are unlike anything else out there in the market. Anything that you can think of, anything that you want to design and put on a hat, Grant at Eagles and Arrows has got you. Now, they're not going away from all their tried and true traditional stuff, the super soft t-shirts, the premium Cabretta leather gloves, the valuable pouches, everything that you know of and love for the quality of Eagles and Arrows is still available. This is just a new entry into the marketplace. I'm going to tell you what, Grant does it better than anybody else out there. Go to Eagles and Arrows CO on Instagram. That's Eagles and Arrows Co. On Instagram, DM Grant, or go to www.eaglesandarrows.com. Send them a message. Any type of product, big or small, any type of job that you need done, with patches. Grant has got you. You want to get stuff for a team. You want to get stuff for a tournament you're running, maybe for a buddy's trip. The turnaround times, astronomically quick. Grant's quality is honestly to die for. There's no one out there that cares more about the product than him. As always, we couldn't be happier to have him as a sponsor, as well as the entire Eagles and Arrows brand. So live life, love golf, get to Eagles and Arrows, Get whatever you need pronto.